This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. Oh, what's Gucci? What's Gucci? Here we go. Um, Remember the last episode? I kept talking about St. Francis Academy and St. Thomas Aquinas. I told you I was going to let you know how that game went. And St. Thomas Aquinas won. They were at home. They got up 14-0. It looked like it was too easy. They got a pick. They got a fumble. They had scored on offense. It just looked like they was going to run away with it. And I was surprised because St. Francis Academy out of Baltimore has a ton of D1 recruits. And they even got one guy committed to OU. So, ton of D1 talent. They're always a top 10 team in the country. And St. Thomas Aquinas was handling them. But to St. Francis Academy, to St. Francis Academy's credit, they came back and they fought. Uh, They got a turnover of their own. They got an interception. They got a few big runs. And, man, when they were... um, when they were getting into open field, it was a wrap. When they got in the open field, they would they their running backs were were problems. And you know when they when they tied the game up 14-14, I was like, okay, we got a game here. I thought they were going to win. Then their offense slowed down, and then somehow at the end of the game, I don't know what they were doing, but it was literally the last play. It was the last play to half think it was fourth down st thomas aquinas is at like the 50 they clearly got to throw a hail mary and it looks like st francis they got there but the quarterback escaped st thomas aquinas quarterback escaped and threw a dime to like the five yard line and the guy was wide open for a touchdown i couldn't believe it that was a big mistake by St. Francis. And then to make it worse, man, like St. Francis got to the one yard line and fumbled and had it returned to like the 30 yard line. I'm like, what are these guys doing? This is an epic choke. This is an epic choke job. They lost by like 15. They kind of kept it close. They had a they had a field goal. Uh St. Francis had a field goal to cut it to eight, I believe. And then they gave up another rushing touchdown to seal the game late in the fourth quarter. And it's like a lot of missed opportunities by St. Francis. Uh, Props to them for fighting and having pride. They are top 10 team and St. Thomas Aquinas is too. But man, that's crazy. That was a big missed opportunity to win and make a statement on national TV. But uh, props to both teams. Hell of a show. Definitely. One of the best games I saw because every other high school game I saw was a blowout, including one that involved Bishop Sycamore and IMG Academy. Bishop Sycamore is the main reason why I'm on the mic today. Bro, what in the world is this story? See, okay, when I saw they were playing IMG Academy, I didn't think much about it. I mean, I just assume it's just another good Ohio uh, high school football team because they have a very underrated uh, football high school football scene. They're very underrated over there. Uh, you should go 
check out some games over there if you're ever in Ohio. Check out some high school football. It's, it's not bad. And I thought, you know, because some of their Catholic teams are good too. I just thought it was another one of those. I didn't think much of it. I didn't look at the uniforms. I didn't look at the team. I wasn't really paying that much attention, to be honest. I mean, I just thought IMG Academy was going to win. I didn't expect them to win 58 to nothing. And then I find out Bishop Sycamore is an online school. I was like, okay, that's interesting. I mean, I raised an eyebrow. But I was like, yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. I didn't really follow up on it until I saw a tweet from Bleacher Report saying that Bishop Sycamore is a crazy story and their coach just got arrested and then he got fired. I'm just like, and then the more I hear about it, the more I'm just shocked. I'm just like, how? How did they do this? How, bro? How on earth did they fool ESPN into putting him on TV against IMG? I don't think it was hard because, first of all, they're playing IMG. IMG against anybody could end up on ESPN. I don't care who they playing. ESPN could could put it on TV. If they're playing anyone decent, if they're playing anyone even close to being on IMG's level, they're going to put it on TV. So, they, they play IMG. They played them last year and lost about the same score, about 58 to nothing, 59 to nothing. Bishop Sycamore went 0-6 last year. And somehow, someway this year, they scheduled IMG, Emotep, I think. But they, they had Duncanville. They were supposed to play Duncanville next week. They're a top 25 team. They're one of the best teams in Texas. I know they got killed by Matter Day, but come on. Like, Duncanville is still a really good team. They were going to get killed by them. They, they were supposed to play Duncanville. They were supposed to play Damatha. They were supposed to play St. Francis Academy. Bruh, St. Edwards. They was going to get destroyed. They were supposed to play some really good team in Kentucky. They was going. That might have been St. Edwards. But seriously, they were going to get killed. I was like, wait a minute. How did they fool ESPN into getting on TV? How did they fool all these big-time schools into getting them to play against their team? Nobody did any research? What? I saw that a market, marketing agency got them all these games. And I'm like, who is this marketing agency? And why aren't they working for me? How much do they cost? <laughs> How did they sell this team to ESPN executives and all these top teams? What did they say? What was their pitch? Whatever it is, either they need to work for GOAT level or I need to take some of their tactics and sell this brand. I'd be rich in no time. <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm curious. Like, I just want to know. I just really want to know. Um, It just makes me think. It, it is kind of GOAT level the way that they got on the scene. Whoever, okay, whoever got them on TV and playing these top teams, they believed in themselves. They believed in their team. They just did not care about what it looked like from the outside. They recruited these kids. They 
pitch these schools, they pitch these TV networks, and they got stuff done no matter what it looked like from the outside. That is like embracing yourself one-on-one. That is embracing yourself. That is attacking fear. I'm like, man, that is very on brand. Dog, if if I can... <laughs> if I can sell something like that, it is a wrap. That's what I learned from this. Other than, other than you know the obvious, like ESPN and these administrators just not being on their grind, not doing any research. You know, other than that, oh, this also taught me that all these guys are human. The administrators and the TV network executives, they're all human and they're able to be influenced and they're able they're able to make mistakes. Just because, you know, they're the top of a big brand, it doesn't mean that they're not human and won't make mistakes. That's what that whole situation taught me right there. That's another thing. But man, that Bishop Sycamore story was insane. Now, obviously, all those teams backed out. I mean, right as all the DMV people, I mean, even Grant Paulson was like, oh, we're going to go to this DeMatha and Bishop Sycamore game. There were people that had genuine interest because the, the game was going to be played at PG Sports and Learning Complex. If you know DC, you know that PG Sports and Learning Complex is next to FedEx Field. So there were people willing to go to that game if it really happened. Even though it wouldn't have made sense because Bishop Sycamore would have got blown out. And the stands still would have been packed because everyone wanted to troll and see some history, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I think I think people were wanted to come to PG Sports and Learning Complex to troll because there ain't no way they was going to take this seriously as a real football game. It's just it's just an opportunity to make signs and make fun of the team and make fun of the players while they get shellacked, while they get destroyed. But it's not going to happen now because the math have backed out. Thank God, because it's a waste of their time. So... And my referee organization was going to work the game. So I'm pretty sure some people in my referee organization, they were scheduled to do that game. They were probably given that game because I already got my October 1st game. So I'm sure that game got assigned weeks ago. And now, you know, they got to find another game. The math, I don't even know, man. Do they even want to play anybody around here? They, I mean, they pick anyone around here. It's a blowout. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to keep an eye on it. It doesn't matter because, I, like I said, I got to work a game of my own. So it doesn't even matter who DeMatha picks to play on October 1st. <laughs> I ain't going to be there. <laughs> oh, man. But I might be there when they travel to McNamara on October 16th. I don't know, man, because McNamara hasn't beat them in... 21 years and yes that includes my team that went eight and three we even we couldn't beat the math so (laughs) could this be the year i'm probably wishfully hoping because you know 
it's probably another blowout. But I might go just because, just for nostalgia's sake, and maybe see some old friends, uh, maybe see some old teammates. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know, man. It depends on my schedule, too. It doesn't matter how bad McNamara is or how good the Matha is and vice versa. That game is always packed, and I don't understand why. Maybe it's the hype. Maybe it's just the Matha. Like every, maybe it's every Dematha game, or maybe it's just a PG County thing. But every time the Matha and McNamara play each other, it's packed. Packed. Uh, we'll see if I want to fight crowds and stuff to go to that game. All right, enough about Bishop Sycamore and DeMatha. Uh, Cam Newton got released by the Patriots. I did not see this coming at all. Now, I was legitimately shocked because when I found out about this, I was leaving Orange Theory, uh, my workout class. So I was leaving that class. And I'm greeted by this news that Cam Newton got released by the Patriots. And I yelled, I was like, no, no way. I was siced. I was hyped. I was like, oh, no, they didn't. I could not believe it. It was true. The more I think about it, though, like, of course, your initial reaction, just like with a lot of things, my initial reaction is just to go crazy. The more I think about it, though, the more it makes sense. Cam has been marginal at best. Remember, I saw him play last year, especially when they played the Rams, and I watched that game in Jamaica. Uh, he was he was just not good. And, you know, I bought into the hype. I bought into all the, the videos he was doing, the workout videos and the Instagram posts. I was like, all right, Cam was putting in work like always, and I think he's going to bounce back. He gets a full year in this offense. No COVID nonsense. He's going to be good. Then they draft Mac Jones. And I'm like, oh, okay, Cam can still start. A lot of people was thinking Cam was still going to start. Then, okay, he does okay against in the preseason. I mean, come on. He killed the Eagles, but come on. It was the Eagles, and it wasn't even the starters, really. Like, what are we talking about? You didn't even really see the full Eagles. But then what really hurt him, though, is getting sidelined for five days because of a COVID protocol misunderstanding. Something about him getting some sort of treatment in Georgia instead of the Boston area. Wow. That really that that kind of hurt him. That hurt him. And then Mac Jones, he's not. Cam Newton didn't fully separate from Mac Jones. So they was like, we're going to go with the rookie. So I was like, so they was like, yeah, if we're going to go with the rookie, why have Cam around? We got it. He got to go. That, that has to be it right there. But I was just shocked. I was not expecting this at all. I was assuming that Cam was going to start. Sure. It was some chatters about, Going back and forth, oh, should we start Cam? Should we start Mac? A lot of people were saying Cam. Some people were saying Mac. Some people were saying Cam will start, but Mac Jones will come in later in the season. They're saying the same thing about uh, Justin Fields and um, 
Andy Dalton. So, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, see, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm, I'm back, though. I'm back, though. But, yeah, man, Cam Newton gone. I mean, I was thinking, I, I thought it was zero chance he was going to get cut. At the end of this, at the beginning of the season, like this, no idea. I had no clue. That is clearly the biggest cut of the season thus far. I mean, Jimmy Moreland at, from the Washington Football Team getting cut, and Peyton Barber and Antonio Gandy Golden, who's hyped up from day one. They all got cut from the Washington football team. I don't understand the Jimmy Moreland one. But, hey, hey, Washington football team, you know what they're doing. So, whatever. Uh, Mullins got cut from the Eagles. We kept Joe Flacco. So, we got three quarterbacks on the Eagles. Uh, who, who else got cut, man? Uh, Will Greer got cut. Now he's with the Cowboys instead of Cam Newton. That was a rumor flo- floating around that Cam Newton was going to go to the Cowboys. And I was kind of believing that. But then they took Will Greer, probably cheaper, younger, and just not a real threat to Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush. Well, no, him and Cooper Rush are going to fight for that second spot. But not really a threat, man. Not really a threat. And Steven Montez got cut by the Washington football team. I mean, Kyle Allen came back. You already knew that Montez was going to be the fourth quarterback. But anyway, Cam Newton cut by the Patriots. Wasn't expecting it. He's. I still think he got a little bit left, but his time is winding down. His time is winding down. Now, I don't know if he's going to be picked up by anybody. But um, we'll see. Some people saying the Texans. I mean, the the Texans is going to keep Deshaun Watson. He's just going to be sitting there. He's pretty much, he's damn near practice squad. <laughs> he's damn near on the practice squad. And they're going to keep him. They're not using him at all. They're just waiting to see what trade offers they get and what uh, legal and what legal ramifications come down for his actions. Unbelievable. Wow. I don't know where Cam's going to go. I really don't. He ain't coming to the Eagles. I think the Eagles are, are good. I don't think he's going to Washington. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. This Just wait and see. Uh, Baltimore would be good, but I think they're content with Tyler Huntley. They they let go of Trace McSorley, which is wild. Yeah, just wait and see. Uh, one more thing before I go to the next topic. Man, the Falcons are a four-point favorite against the Eagles. Y'all sleep. Y'all sleep. Y'all about to see. Y'all about to see. Well, I did okay. I did say the Falcons were probably going to be a slight favorite, especially at home. I was expecting maybe one point, maybe three points, four points. I mean, it's less. It's still less than a touchdown. But man, I will take that. I might. I might take that to the bank. I might bet on that because I truly believe the Eagles can win that game. <laughs> I truly do. 
Uh, let's see. The Mets nonsense. Oh my God, the Mets and their fans. So, I think it was against the Nats. Yeah, the Nats beat them. The Nats beat them. I think this is the game the Mets were booing. The Mets fans were booing. Or it was the beginning of the second game. I guess the Mets came out slow. The fans started booing. They were frustrated with the play of uh, Javi Baez because, you know, he strikes out a lot. So they were frustrated with him. So then they started turning it up because, well, of course, because it's the Nationals and they're tanking. (laughs) Of course, I'm going to get to the Nats later. But they're playing my tanking Nats. I mean, of course, they're going to turn up on them. I mean, do you really expect the Nats to win more than one game against a team that's not the Marlins? Come on now. They couldn't even win more than one game against the Marlins. Come on. What are we talking about right now? But anyway, they turned up on them, had a big run, and Javi Baez got a big hit, and he did the thumbs down, and Lindor did the thumbs down, and Kevin Pilar did the thumbs down. And... (laughs) Then they then they explained themselves. Like Javi Baez was like, that was his response to the fans booing him. And of course, when they played the Marlins, the same thing. Like the, the fans threw it back at him. They booed him. They threw the thumbs down until at the end he had a big hit to give them the lead. And I think it was a walk off. But again, against a sorry team like the Marlins, who are somehow below the Nats in the win column in the standings, which is, doesn't make sense because the Nats are literally tanking. Like I said, how are, the, how are the Marlins worse than the Nats who are damn near playing a triple-A lineup? Like, come on, you're loafing. Anyway, so the Mets, as I predicted last show, the Mets won the next two games of the series versus the Nats because, of course, they did. It makes too much sense. I I told you that was going to happen. And then they beat the Marlins. And I think, nah, I'm pretty sure they didn't play yesterday. But they beat the Marlins in that first game. And they're probably going to sweep that series too. Because it's the Marlins we're talking about. Um, But yeah, just, just a circus. And then the Mets fans <laughs> complaining on the radio about the team and stuff, man. And it's just a whole argument about our fans entitled. Uh, Of course, the players got to play better, but should the fans act better? And then it spilled over to the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, supposed riff, same thing. Our fans doing too much. The players got to play better, but do the fans, should the fans boo their own team? Like, I know they're essentially, I can't say completely paying the salaries of the players, but they do have a a significant part of it when they buy tickets and merchandise. Uh, Fans do have a significant part in that. But are they really entitled to boo their team when they're not playing well? I mean, I guess. I I wouldn't do it. It's, It's corny. Like... The athletes, I trust them. They're already hyper-competitive. I trust them to get back in the lab and fix what they need to fix. 
whenever things go wrong because you want to win. You want to do well. You want to be the best you can be. And when things ain't going well, you ain't. I mean, it's 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 their job to fix things. So I just let them fix things. I don't need to boo my own team, bro. The only person I booed was Bryce Harper when he came back as a Philly. It was just too tempting. I had to do it. <laughs> oh, and um, no, no, I'll talk about that later. Um, no, let's let's go ahead and get into it. The Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals. Man, damn. Four straight losses. See, it, it just, the losing streaks just, just pop up just that quickly. So they lost those last two games against the Mets. The Mets turned up on them in game two. And in game three, they were just too much. Um, I think we had like one bad inning, if I'm not mistaken. We had one bad inning in game three against the Mets. And then that was all she wrote. I mean, of course. And right now, they're playing one of the makeup games against the Phillies, a game that was supposed to be played yesterday. Uh, they're playing that right now. That's 0-0, bottom of the second, and they got a game tonight. And the weather looks good for both games. So, I don't know. I don't expect us to win either game because we haven't beat the Phillies since the trade deadline. So, I don't expect us to win this one either. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just the Nats. The, the, the only good thing about the Nats is – we just get excited about the future. Like Kbert Ruiz, who came to the Dodgers. No, he came from the Dodgers in that trade for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. He was the other big prospect that was included in the trade. Josiah Gray was one, and then he was the other one. So it's only right that Kbert Ruiz... His debut as a national, I didn't think it would happen this soon. I, I thought he was going to get called up to the big leagues. I thought he was going to get called up to the big leagues next year. So what I'm happening is they called him up and they sent Tress Barrera to Triple A. And they also sent Victor Robles to Triple A. That's a big one because... He's our second biggest prospect in the last five years. He is big time hyped up. Great speed, great defense, but he has been frustrating on offense with the batting average and the base running mistakes. And even on defense, he makes some mistakes. It's just a lot of frustration with Victor Robles. He pinched hit in Cabert Ruiz's um, debut on Monday, and then he was sent to AAA the next morning. Wow, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I guess the regression with Victor Robles is just, I guess, Davey Martinez had enough and just sent them down and just sent them to Rochester. The only reason um, Wander Suarez, I mean, no, Wander Suero, the only reason Wander Suero, a relief pitcher for us, got called back up to the Nats was because uh, Kyle Finnegan, his own paternity leave. But, yeah, he's another one that really should be in AAA. But, wow, man, a lot going on with this team, man. And I'm just looking at this lineup. Uh, Cabra Ruiz, 
the the young catcher that has a lot of potential that came from the Dodgers. He was one for four in his debut on Monday. Uh, and shout out to Carter Keyboom getting a, a home run in that game. Um, and then he was one for four on Tuesday. I mean, I guess, man. I, I guess, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's cool, bro. Like, I just... You know, I'm really excited for the future. If these guys can develop correctly, I mean, I'm looking at this lineup. Oh, the emergence of Lane Thomas, who, I mean, come on, it's a steal. Like, we got him for John Lester, who's probably going to be out of the league within the next year or two. Um, That's a steal. We got Lane Thomas. He's already starting. So he's already getting that experience. But you look at this lineup. This is the lineup from Monday. Lane Thomas, Letus Escobar, Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Yadiel Hernandez, uh, Kbert Ruiz making his debut, Carter Keboom, who's picking it up. Thank God he's picking it up. Luis Garcia, who's batting 210. Like these guys, <laughs> bro, bro, everyone except Juan Soto and Josh Bell are freaking fringe major leaguers. I'm going to keep saying that. It's frustrating, but the bright side is these guys can possibly develop into really good major leaguers, and if they do, look out. Because we got a young team with some young talent. If they can come together correctly, we could end up looking like the Astros. And if that happens, you're done. You're finished. All right, man. Enough of them Nats. They're frustrating. I'm not going to lie. OU football got Tulane this weekend. I will watch that. Well, I should be watching that right after football, right after flag football. I will come home and watch that. Uh, It's on ABC. Thank God. Uh, I'm expecting an OU blowout. That's without even studying Tulane. Just, just how our programs have played the past like decade or two. Like OU's the better program. They're the better team. I expect them to win. Uh shame what happened to Tulane. Uh what's happening in New Orleans with Hurricane Ida. I hope everyone has made it out of that safely. Uh, they definitely did. They've been practicing in Alabama, and they're going to come to Norman to play. The game was supposed to be in New Orleans. I forgot all about that. <laughs> because we went from worrying about being vaccinated and wearing masks in the Superdome, I guess that's where the game was going to be, to, oh, crap, where are we going to play the game? Oh, it's in Norman. All proceeds go to Tulane. Okay, cool. <laughs> Oh, you should win this game, man. No problem. Spencer Rattler. It's, it's going to be a warm-up. It's going to be a tune-up. And then he got Western Carolina. That's going to be another joke of a tune-up. And it's at home. So, I mean, we'll just see. We'll just see how this team looks. Get an early look at them. See who's going to be the stars and who's not. I will see, man. OU football is finally back. College football is finally back. The Big Ten coming out with a bang. Good Lord, man. Wisconsin and Penn State, Ohio State, Minnesota, uh, 
Illinois beat Nebraska, and they and Nebraska was favorite. I didn't understand that. I don't understand why Nebraska was a seven point favorite, and they lost by double digits. Like I, I didn't get that at all. Uh, so Big Ten coming out with a bang and. Miami and Alabama playing, but the big game is Clemson and Georgia. That's going to be vicious. Ton of five, four, and five-star recruits. And then, of course, the star of the show is DJ Uyunga Lele. I think I said that right. Remember, remember, I don't know what show it was, but remember I talked about him playing with John Bosco against Good Counsel, and he just made it look easy in his team was just just looked like they was on another level and they were just so much speed on the field he just and he just made it look easy he had all the tools so it was good seeing him in high school he was good against Notre Dame last year so now we get to see him now we get to see him in a full season and it starts with Georgia this is a big test right out the gate and you know I, I can't wait to see how that goes all right, DC United. So DC United, they so they lost to Atlanta. That was a frustrating game. Talked about that. Then they turn around and re, they rebounded really well. They beat Philly three one. So it was two one for a while. Looked like Philly could come back. You know how soccer goes. If it's a one score game, last ten minutes of the game, anything could happen. Anything could happen. Last 10, 15 minutes of the game, one score. Oh, that's when you need to really watch because it, it could get intense. But DC United scored another goal in extra time, put it away. And, you know, they got a big win at home against Philly. Uh, check this, though. Check this, though. DC United, so they have 30 points. They're in the seventh and final spot in the Eastern Conference playoff. You know what's funny? They're only five points away from Orlando, who's in second. That's actually hilarious. But what's really hilarious is that they're seven and three at home, but two seven and three on the road. Their two wins is against Columbus and Miami. That is like night and day. You have got to be kidding. How do you... (laughs) Their road record is so trash. And you know what's funny? In the playoffs, all their games are going to be on the road at this rate. Unless they go on a winning streak and move up the ladder and maybe get to two, three, or four. Um, but other than that, like they're going to be on the road in the playoffs. And the way things are going, they're going to be one and done because they suck on the road. I should have known that when they went to San Jose and got absolutely blasted. When they went to Nashville and got absolutely blasted. So, I, I should have known. You know what I'm saying? I Yeah, they beat Columbus, but they lost the first time. So, I'm like, the first time they went to Columbus, they lost. Terrible road team. I don't get it. Um, But, they don't get it together. They'll be one and done. But still, that's good because I wasn't really expecting anything from this team. And they're, and they're not actually... Playing too bad. You know, Ola Kamara is killing it. Bill Bill Mead is ageless wonder. 
the midfielder, number 14, forgot his name. He's nice. Man, I'm interested to see how this team does. If the playoffs started today, I assume they would be playing Orlando. And at Orlando, that I don't know about that one. That would have been tough. I think that's how the playoffs go. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, man, whether they play New York City, I, I would rather play New York City than Orlando. Either way, I mean, road record sucks. They'd get smoked. But, I mean, I, everyone has a losing road record looking at these standings other than New England, of course. I mean, you don't get 49 points by not winning on the road. Bro, they got they got six road wins. No one else in the Eastern Conference has more than three. So maybe it's not as funny anymore that DC United has just two road wins. And I'm looking at the Western Conference. The top four teams, everyone has at least four road wins. We're pro- we're poverty over here. Poverty in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> Oh, man, I want to see how that goes. El Trafico was dope. I think LAFC won that one. Uh, That was a crazy game. Anytime anytime LAFC and LA Galaxy play, I'm interested in seeing it. Best belief. All right, man. You already know. (laughs) It's time for the hypothetical game. Of the episode. This hypothetical game of the episode is Brian Mitchell, prime Brian Mitchell, when he was with the Washington sitcom versus the combined cast of Big Brother 22 and 23. But in this competition, it's Brian Mitchell doing a kick return against that entire cast. If he can get past the entire cast for a touchdown, he wins. But if he gets tackled, they win. They win. So, here we go. I mean, so Brian Mitchell, possibly a Hall of Famer, lots of all-purpose yards. I don't have the stats with me, but it is what it is. Um, possibly a Hall of Famer, legendary kick returner for the Redskins and the Eagles. Of course, Big Brother 22 was an all-star season, won by Cody. Yeah, Cody, Enzo, Nicole, Fransel, Christmas, Memphis, Tyler, Danny, David, who was evicted first in his original season, but he ended up on (laughs) All-Stars. That's funny. Uh, Kevin, Devon, Ian, Bailey, Kesar, Janelle, the legend, one of the most legendary Big Brother players ever, uh, Nicole Anthony, and uh, Keisha. So this season, got Alyssa, Aza, Claire, Derek F., Hannah, Kylan, Sarah Beth, Tiffany, Xavier, Derek X., Brittany, Christian, Whitney, Brent, Frenchie, and Travis. You got all those people versus Brian Mitchell. And all you got to do is just tackle him before he gets into the end zone. 
and Austin Cyber is doing the kickoff. So everyone lines up. Everyone lines up, bunches up by the 30-yard line or the 20-yard line. 20-yard line. So Austin Cyber kicks it off. Brian Mitchell catches it at the goal line. And Travis and Tyler are the first ones to sprint down there to try to get B. Mitch. And Brian Mitchell splits them at the 10. Then he does a spin move on Kylan. Then he sees Xavier. He stiff arms Xavier to the ground. Then he sees Christmas. And he runs over Christmas. Christmas is skinny. Is short, skinny, but she's built. She's she's ripped. But it doesn't matter. B. Mitch ran over her. Then he breaks through the tackle of Janelle and Bailey, who tried to tackle him. Weak attempt of tackling from those two. Then he finds himself trapped by the sideline by Aza, Tiffany, Kevin, and Brent. He stops, stutters, jukes, and escapes. All four of them. Then everyone else takes bad angles or they're just too slow. Or they just run out of gas trying to catch B. Mitch. He gets past basically most of the field. Then he gets to the 40. He makes a cut. Makes Cody and Enzo run into each other. Then he sees Sarah Beth. Fakes, rakes right. Goes left. Jukes her out of her shoes. Then he backs you Christian who runs and falls at the hash mark and now and now he's taking off he's taking off he runs past the very big Derek Frazier Keisha happens to be in his path she runs to the sideline she wants no smoke then he jukes and makes Austin Seibert fall now he's in the race to the end zone and it looks like he's gonna get to the end zone with Travis Kyland Tyler and David in pursuit They're chasing after him. They're trying to get him, and they succeed. They get him at the five. Travis grabs him, and then the other guys pile on. They tackle him. Whitney somehow got into that fray and jumped on the pile, and boom, he's tackled at the five. The combined Big Brother class wins. And that is the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. So you already know that I'm out. Peace. Psych, I lied. The Mets are a bigger sitcom than the Washington football team. Just had to remind y'all. So I'm out for real, y'all. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Goat Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.